Good evening. Thanks, Evan. That's a different version of that song. I love both of those uh, songs combined. How great is our God? Amen. That's that very question is just uh, hard to answer. He's he's infinite. He's wonderful. He's all loving, gracious. He's before all creation, above all creation. Uh, what does God look like? Have you ever thought about what God looks like? You ever asked that, that question to yourself? What does our great God look like? Uh, this afternoon I was uh, putting together some thoughts and I, I Googled that and just simply typed in images of God. And, and when you do, be prepared for what you, what you find. You, you find all sorts of different images. Of course, not just on the internet, but over the, the years through various media outlets, uh, movies, TV shows, there's all sorts of depictions of God, some more reverent than others. Uh, typically, it seems like you'll find images of an old man, maybe some high executive behind a desk somewhere, and he's uh, giving out orders, you know, he has angels or whatever other uh, type of people that are doing his bidding. seems like any image we come up with falls short. Uh, typically, the, the old guy with the beard just puts too much of a human face on him. Maybe he's Zeus-like. Maybe he's some guy up there just throwing down lightning bolts, that sort of thing. Uh, one of the images on Google I saw today was this cartoon has been around for a while. I think probably it's from the far side, uh, if some of you older people know what that comic strip is. But it's simply an old man sitting at a computer desk, and, and there's an image on the screen, and he's just waiting to push the button to cause the man on the screen to trip and fall. And unfortunately, that's what some people view God as, just some guy upstairs ready to, uh, at a moment's notice, uh, give out justice, exact some kind of judgment, or you know, send a tornado here, a tornado there. Too simplistic of a version, really. God is, is far more superior. He's incomprehensible to the human mind in, in the vastness of him, apart from the image we have in Jesus. But I think a better question for us tonight, not so much what does God look like, because the Bible doesn't give a lot of description of his physical characteristics, but I think a better question for us tonight and a better application for our life is just the opposite. What does it mean for us to be defined as image bearers of God, to be created in the image of God, Mago Dei? Okay, so if we are to bear God's image, regardless of what that specifically means physically, what does it mean for us as Christians in our spiritual walk? Now, this is the foundational truth. Uh, in fact, we were talking about this some in Sunday school this morning, and I do have to give credit to Matthew Sisson, whether he wants it or not. There at the very end, he kind of succinctly wrapped up the point we were trying to make this morning about how this idea, this theological concept, this truth of bearing God's image is so foundational to the Christian life. It's foundational to the Christian worldview, right? Uh, there are several things that take the top of the list. You talk about the revelation of Scripture, the sufficiency and inerrancy of Scripture. You look at God as creator, okay? God being the creator of all things. In the very beginning, Genesis 1, it starts off in the beginning, God. God created everything. God is Above all, he's before all. He'll uh, be there at the, 
the very end of all. He's the creator. He created everything that we see around us, everything we know, everything we experience, everything we ever hope to have out of nothing. Ex nihilo. God created everything out of nothing. Uh, That's a foundational truth. And he created everything out of nothing simply to glorify himself. Creation is there to glorify him, to be a physical representation, manifestation of his power and glory. And he also created everything so that his uh, human creation will know him. He's a God that is infinitely superior to man, and yet he wants to have a relationship with us. And through creation itself, he gives us a general revelation of himself by his works that we as human beings, we know that there is something more to this. That we know that there is a creator, a divine creator, apart from this creation that we, we see and feel and experience. Um, again, a foundational truth. And every human being that's ever lived, somewhere inside them knows the truth. That's Romans 1 that we all know just by looking around at God's creation that there is a creator and a God. And yet humans, in their sinfulness, they suppress the truth. Well, Psalm 100, verse 3, says, Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. We are his creation. He created us for a purpose, and he's created us in his image. This truth that we're going to talk about tonight, bearing God's image, being created in the image of our Holy Father, is foundational to Christian life. It's foundational to uh, a biblical worldview. Why? Because worldviews themselves try to answer the important questions in life, right? Worldviews try to answer, how did we get here? Okay, what are we to do now? Uh, what's our purpose? The, the proverbial question of why, why are we here, is, is something that scholars have tried to answer over the centuries to no avail. Worldviews try to answer what the problem is with the world. Okay? Is it a social injustice? Is it poverty? Is it uh, a, a lack of education? They try to define what the solution is for those problems. Is it social engineering? Is it uh, communism? There's all sorts of different means that have been used to try to solve the world's problems. But from a Christian standpoint, from a biblical worldview, we know that God is the creator. He created everything. That gives our origin. We are here for a purpose, to serve him and to glorify him. We know that the problem with the world is sin, simply. And the consequences of sin have a far-reaching impact. And the solution to that problem is Jesus Christ. And so when we look at the idea that we are bearing God's image, we are created in his image, it gives us meaning to life. It it answers the how and the what and the why that uh, faces everyone. To bear God's image gives value to human beings. It gives us meaning. So what does it mean to bear God's image? When when you hear the, the term... Uh, made in the image of God, what does that conjure up for you? I know that uh, people may have half a dozen different answers for that. Is it simply a shared physical resemblance, like a father and son, 
or a mother and daughter, that we somehow inherit uh, physical characteristics from God? Does that mean that God has two arms and two legs and, and, a, and a beard? Well, not necessarily. Um, bearing God's image is, is much more than just physical attributes. In fact, it, it's, it is attributes that we share with God, but it's, it's things like love. Okay, love, God loves, we love. All right, God has wisdom. We are able to have wisdom and reason and intellect. God can create. We can create. Now, granted, it's on a vastly, vastly different scale. But we inherit those things from our Heavenly Father because we are made in his image. Uh, he has these attributes in perfection and in infinite supply, and yet we share these with him. Other emotions uh, we share, we can share in work and rest, dominion over his creation. All these attributes are shared. So this is, it starts us to under, helped us to understand what it means to be created in God's image. Bearing God's image sets us apart from all of other creation. God created the world. He created everything in it. He said it was good. But specifically for human beings, he set us apart. Because we are the only created thing in all of creation that is defined as being made in the image of God. And, and that has special meaning to us. We are set apart. We're different than the animals. I know the evolutionists and uh, animal rights activists will want to tell you that we are just the same. We're just on a different evolutionary track. That uh, a dog's life has just as much value as a human life, but that's not the case. It's certainly true that all life has value and, and we should care for animals and, and whatnot. Many of us have animals in our home that are treated like family and there's a value there but make no mistake there's a vast difference between a human life and an animal we are the only creation created in God's image and bearing God's image gives us great blessings but also great responsibilities we also know that being created in God's image being set in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, as our parents, that that image was tarnished by sin. Sin entered in through Adam and and therefore all mankind, and it tarnished that reflection of God's image in us. And uh, the world has felt the consequences ever since. It results in broken relationships. That's what I want to look at tonight. one One of the things that we share with God in bearing his image, is the relational aspect of our creation, of our being. Okay, God himself is a very relational being, right? He, he has existed eternally in relationship with the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit have a very special and unique relationship. And he created us as humans to be relational as well. We are to have a relationship with him as our father. God created uh, this world, yes, to glorify him. We are part of that means to glorify him. But also he wants to have a relationship with us. Look at the garden where Adam and Eve walked in perfect fellowship with the father. Before sin, before the consequences of sin, before shame was brought in and they tried to hide themselves and and there was a, a separation between God and man, 
And we have this beautiful picture of the relationship there. A relationship that I think that we long for. Again, restored, free from sin. To be in God's presence. Uh, God wants that relationship with us. And yet he cannot have any part of those uh, of us who sin. And of course that includes all of humanity. Sin breaks that relationship. We are to also have relationship with one another. God created the world. He said it was good. But the one thing that he said was not good was what? Before the fall, he said that it's not good for man to be alone. Correct? Now, specifically, he's referring to the relationship between man and woman, which is a very special relationship. It's foundational to uh, humanity, of course, through procreation and and fulfilling that command to, to go forth, multiply. But it also applies to the relationship we have with our Christian brethren. Man is not meant to be alone. And we are meant to be in a community of believers. And as our relationship with God is tarnished and is broken through sin, so are our relationships with one another broken through sin. Um, we're created to be in community, but oftentimes we neglect to get the cart before the horse. It's a true statement that we cannot have a right relationship with one another. We cannot have a, a relationship with other human beings unless we first have a right relationship with God. Now, there's all sorts of superficial things that can go on, and we can give the appearance of having good relationship. But if you really think about it, if you really boil it down, I submit to you that apart from God, apart from him supernaturally coming in and recreating us with new desires, with that love that he first gives us and the very ability to love other people, that our relationships, apart from God, would be nothing but very selfish, very self-centered, self-serving. Uh, we see sin come in to that relationship in the garden, and enmity and strife uh, started separating man. We see Cain and Abel, the result of being death because of the strife that is a result of sin, the broken relationships between people. So we must have a right relationship with God in order to have right relationships with others. Uh, again, all a part of bearing God's image. We are also to have, uh, and we do have a special relationship with creation itself. We're to relate with God, we're to relate with one another, but relating to creation is something that is unique to humans. Because God, when he set Adam and Eve in the garden, he set them there as image bearers of him, uh, he set them there as his representatives, his, his vice regents, if you will, that they represented God and God's authority in the garden and therefore the earth. He told them that they are to rule over the earth and subdue it. And we are expected to do the same thing. Before we get too far, let's go ahead and turn to Genesis 1. Genesis chapter 1, there at the beginning. And we're simply going to look at verses 26 through 28. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, says, God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. And let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky 
and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So in these three verses, we we see these relationships being played out. Uh, We do see the relationship between God and man and and that very unique responsibility and relationship he sets up in the garden with uh, Adam and Eve being created in his image, verse 26. We also see that relationship to each other when uh, he created Adam and Eve, male and female. And by the way, um, when we talk about bearing God's image and we try to, to wrap our heads around what that means... Another reason why we, we shouldn't be so quick to, to go to physical characteristics is if you think about male and female, think about men and women, you think about all the different uh, kaleidoscope of colors, if you will, of all the peoples of the earth, okay? All shapes, sizes, heights, you name it, we are all created in the image of God. So it must be something that transcends mere physical appearance. But here you see in verse 27, uh, God creating the first two uh, humans, male and female, in his image for a relationship with each other and a relationship with himself. And then in verse 28, we see uh, the, the command to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, subdue it, to rule over the earth in his stead. And that's a relationship we have with creation that is unique to humans and humans alone. Um, part, of, part of this means that, that we have authority over the earth. Uh, if you think about certain spheres of authority that you might have in, in your own life, what, what would that look like? What things do you have authority over in your life that you are responsible to God for? Areas such as your individual life itself and what you do with it, yes. Areas of responsibility including your family, very important area of responsibility and authority. Um, Also, your job, this church, maybe your little slice of land, whether it's a a little quarter acre somewhere or you have multiple acres, that your little slice of the world that you're responsible for, that God has given you stewardship of, you're responsible and you have authority over that and God expects us to be good stewards of that. When you look at the creation story, you you see uh, Adam's authority playing out when uh, for example, he is naming all the animals. Right? God brings forth all the animals of the world, and Adam gives them names one by one. And whatever he names them, that is their name. That's the name we use today. It's no, another display of, of uh, Adam using his authority over creation under God's authority. It's all about stewardship. Stewardship. That's the key word because nothing belongs to us. It was all created by God for his glory. Uh, everything we ever will experience is created by God. And, and before it existed, God existed eternally. And so we are mere stewards of that. And uh, that's one of the key components of bearing God's image. We have dominion over things. Sometimes we, we find this manifested in a, a couple of attribu- attributes combined. Like I said before, 
one of the shared attributes with God in bearing his image is being created. We have the ability to create. Now, we can't create things out of nothing. We can only create things uh, with the materials that God has first supplied. But think about the idea of combining our creativity given by God and that dominion and that uh, subduing of the earth. And you see things like mankind uh, using their intellect and creativity and the, the elements that pro- were provided to uh, overcome such things as gravity, right? Uh, a man flying in a big hunk of metal throughout the air with 100 or 200 passengers in an airplane is a physical and glorious manifestation of that creativity that he's given us and the dominion over the elements. Uh, we take things like petroleum and iron ore and electricity, and we come up with things like iPhones and uh, skyscrapers, right? Airplanes, automobiles. These, these are nothing but examples of how we, we bear God's image. This, this sets us apart from the animals. Animals cannot do this sort of thing because they do not bear God's image. We are distinct. No pig can practice medicine. No uh, horse will coach in the NFL. Uh, we, we don't see any dogs earning PhDs. It's only, it's only humans that are created in God's image that have this ability. And uh, it's a good stewardship we have. Now, with this authority that God given, gives us and this stewardship, it, it does come with responsibility. And we see these, these things that are abused often through sin. Specifically, when we talk about our authority over creation and uh, the stewardship that we, we are to have under the authority of God, through sin, we, we can see uh, that derailing one way or the other. We can see a complete rejection of authority. Okay, we can, uh, as human beings, we can be accused of neglecting the earth. Uh, Oftentimes, people will get caught up in uh, environmental arguments, and uh, they'll run to one extreme or the other, right? You're either running all the way to, the, to uh, one side, and you're accused of being a, a tree-hugging liberal, and uh, you may have the tendency in some circles to find people worshiping creation. They've elevated creation so far above everything else that it, it reaches the pinnacle, and and we go beyond just worshiping idols, okay, or things created by man, but we start worshiping trees uh, or land or the sky or the earth itself. The environment itself becomes so important. The opposite is true as well. We can run so far to the other side of the extreme that we can find severe neglect through sinful decisions, things that damage God's creation. And neither should be the case. We, like Adam, have been given a stewardship, and we have authority over creation to use it for his glory and to be good stewards, but only till he comes back, only till he comes and restores all things. Unfortunately, this, uh, certain aspects of, of uh, those tendencies are found in humanistic, secular worldviews, where if you're trying to say that the problem with the world is environmental issues, well, of course, the solution is to solve that. And the solution is uh, to put in procedures and policies that would create uh, the environment, perfect it, 
and somehow facilitate humans rising to some sort of utopian society. But we know that the earth will end, uh, hopefully soon, when Jesus comes back. And it will not end because of the mismanagement of human beings. It'll, it'll end with Jesus coming back and, and rolling this earth up like an old scroll and tossing it aside and making new heavens and new earth. But, but ultimately, until then, we, we are still to be good stewards like Adam and Eve were instructed to before sin. Even in our work, we can, we can find ourselves going to one extreme or the other. Uh, work is an important thing. Work is something that's a gift of God. Uh, it was there in the garden as a good thing before the fall. Only through sin do we find work tiresome and, and uh, combined with, with strife and abuse. But the same could be said about work as with the environment, that we can find certain people working too much. They've elevated work above other priorities and therefore abusing the, the gift of God, the, the ability to work as being made in God's image. But we also see very prevalent in today's society people running to the other extreme and severely neglecting work and refusing to work and being lazy. And both, both are extremes to be avoided. But any discussion that we have regarding God creating human beings in the image of God naturally leads us to Jesus Christ, right? You want to know what God looks like? You want to answer that question? We have that answer in Jesus Christ. Colossians 1.15 says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, okay? Uh, he puts a human face on the infinite nature of God so that we might be able to relate. There's an illustration that I once read where uh, you have a village and there's this enormous statue in the village of, of someone that it, it, they're supposed to, to know and, and give um, glory to, if you will. But it's so big that nobody understands, nobody can comprehend what the image is about. So it takes a man coming forth and creating a small model of that statue so that people can comprehend what the statue is about. Okay? It, it, it gives them the ability to figure out who it is that is to be honored. And in one sense, that's what Jesus Christ did for us. The infinite, almighty God, creator of everything, came to be one of us so that we in our humanity could wrap our head around God and have a relationship with him. God is beyond comprehension, but, but he does want to be known, and he wants us to glorify him. So in Jesus, we, we do have the, the image of God perfected. That little baby in the manger that we just got through celebrating was created in the image of God. You know, Jesus, yes, he is human. He's, he's fully human, and he's fully God, but in his humanity, he bears God's image like we are created to. You ever thought about that? He's a perfect example of what it means to bear God's image. Our image of God that is reflected in our life is tarnished and it's distorted through sin. Yet Jesus gives the perfect example for humanity and what it means to bear God's image. 
Um, he did what Adam couldn't. Adam was created, set in the garden, and yet he failed. God set it up to where a part of that relationship with him meant obedience. meant that Adam and Eve were to trust God and to obey him. And when he said not to eat of that tree, uh, he meant it. And when they chose to disobey, when they chose to trust something else apart from God, it broke the relationship between them. But Jesus, Jesus came and, and through his obedience, through, through his perfect life, he set things straight, right? Through Adam, death and sin entered the world. Through Jesus, life and salvation He undid what Adam did on behalf of humanity. Where death reigned through Adam, life reigns through Jesus. Jesus restores then, he restores that broken relationship with God. The atonement, uh, the, the sacrifice on the cross, his shed blood, which is a covering for our sin, it, it provides the way to restore that relationship with God. Being found in Christ allows us to approach the throne of grace with boldness to that relationship that Adam and Eve once enjoyed there in the garden, that perfect relationship. Not because we are perfect, but because of Christ's perfection. Christ also restores our relationship with one another. Again, we cannot have a right relationship with one another until we first are in right relationship with God. But once that happens, it's only through that relationship with the Father that we are to have a loving, sacrificial relationship with others. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13 and 14. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. In Christ, there is no Jew or Greek, male or female, slave or free. All those barriers are gone. And it restores relationship between one another. Because God first loved us, it it gives us the the very ability to love one another. We would never do that apart from from God. Uh, When those barriers are removed and, and we are united together in spirit, we are brought in, one with Christ, we see a reconciliation there of relationships. And um, that flows from the reconciled and restored relationship that Jesus and Jesus alone provides with the Father. Not only does Jesus restore that broken relationship with the Father and with each other, but he also ultimately reestablishes humanity's reign on earth. Again, I just said a minute ago, where, where death reigned through Adam, life reigns through Christ. Jesus removes the curse. And ultimately, he'll, he'll restore all of creation to its former glory. Humanity will then once again reign on earth, free from sin and its consequences. And it's a day that we look forward to. Revelation chapter 5, verse 9 and 10. And they sing a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals. For you were slain... And purchase for God with your blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. 
You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. For you and I, those of us who are found in Christ, who have that restored relationship that only comes through relationship with Christ, we will one day rule and reign uh, under his authority here on earth. And uh, it'll be a restoration of, of that responsibility that God gave Adam and Eve as co-regents here on earth that was tarnished by sin. By sin. But finally, as we think about the image of God and we, we look to Christ and how he restores that relationship and restores that image of God in us, it's a reminder to conform our lives to the image of the Son. The, the Bible tells us that we are to be continually conforming our lives to Jesus Christ. He's our example. He is the way. And as we conform our lives to the image of the Son, then we will better reflect and we will better bear the image of God our Father. Right? Jesus is a perfect example. So the more we are like him, the more we will better reflect God to this world. So the question is simply... And this is the question that uh, will transcend everything else we said tonight. What is your relationship with God? We are created to be relate, relational beings. God has created us to have a relationship with him, and yet we're separated because of sin. So what is your relationship with God? How are you bearing God's image? First question, of course, is, Fundamentally, do you have a saving relationship through Jesus Christ with the Father? Have you ever came to grips with the fact that you, as well as every other human that's ever lived, have distorted that image of God in your life because of sin, and you have a broken relationship with God the Father that must be restored only through Jesus? Have you come to him in faith and repentance? I mentioned this morning in our class, I think it's a very sobering test, of that relationship with God in regards to your sin in your life. When, when you're confronted with your sin, whether it's uh, something that you read in the Word of God or maybe in love by a fellow brother or sister in Christ, when you've been confronted with your sin, does that cause you to flee towards God or flee away from God? I think it's a fundamental test of our relationship with God because Adam and Eve, in their sin and shame, they fled. They tried to hide. They, they covered themselves with fig leaves, but it was, it was totally inadequate. God, God knew. Only God could cover their sin and shame. Same goes with us. When we understand that we are image bearers of God who have failed, and we understand that we are sinners and we are in need of grace, then when we are uh, when we are brought face to face with our sin, it should not make us run from God. It should make us run into the arms of God, our Father. He, he is that Father in, in the story of the prodigal son that opens us, or openly welcomes us with open arms, ready to forgive us. What does it make you do tonight? What is your relationship with others? You must be in right relationship with God first in order to be right with others. But remember, our relationship with others uh, is not dependent on our own power. It's not through the flesh, but it's through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
as image bearers of God, conforming our lives to the image of the Son, we must also emulate what Jesus did, and that is to forgive and to be reconciling and to be displaying grace in our lives. If you have a relationship with uh, another human, another blessed creation of God that's broken, I ask you to pray about it and to get yourself right with God first and then to lovingly go to that brother and or sister, and be ready to offer forgiveness, whether they deserve it or not, because that's what grace is all about. And what's your relationship with the world? Are you being good stewards of the resources, the time, the energy, the things at your disposal that God has given you? Is it something that you need to reevaluate and make sure that, that uh, at that end time, when we're standing before the Lord, that uh, we will have no regrets, that we will be found to be good and faithful stewards and servants of God. Maybe you find yourself falling into one or the other ditches of abusing the stewardship or neglecting it. The time is now to get it right. We all look to Jesus. Uh, He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. He is our example. Jesus is the exact representation of God the Father. And so let us, let us seek to reflect and represent Jesus accurately in our lives. Just as Jesus faithfully came to represent God the Father to creation, let us as image bearers and those that are redeemed and saved and are found in Christ and conforming our lives to the image of the Son, let us do the same. And uh, when people look at us, let them see Christ. Let them see Christ in us. And um, I know that we won't be perfected. It won't be a finished product until that day in glory. But until then, we, we must persevere on. And we must always keep striving and cross that finish line well. Seeking to conform our lives to God. Fulfilling that most fundamental and blessed truth that we are made in the image of God, our creator. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day, a a reminder that in love you created us and you created a a way of displaying your majesty and glory. All creation speaks to that. It's there so that we know that there is much more to life than what we can see and touch and feel. Your creation, the majesty of it, the complexity of it, and even sometimes the simplicity of it speaks to a grand designer. We thank you for for making that way for us to to know that truth. But more specifically, we thank you for Jesus Christ in coming and sharing that very specific revelation of you. Thank you for not only providing a perfect life as our substitute, but a perfect example of what we are to be and, and what we as humanity was always intended to be in bearing your image. And thank you, Lord, for showing us our sin in comparison to his perfect example in your Ten Commandments. Help us to flee to the cross. Help us to recognize the sin in our own life. Help us to confess that and to repent, turn to you, placing your faith in Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of faith. Help us to glorify in doing so and tell others about 
our Lord and Savior Jesus as we seek to be more like him and bear your image here on earth and be stewards of the, the things here that you put at our discretion. May we uh, evaluate ourselves tonight. May we have the Holy Spirit to convict us and to uh, illuminate us to those areas needing to be repented of and confessed to you so that we can give you glory in all we do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.